I'm Tinotenda Charles Rutanira, and this is the podcast on the shoulders of giants, where we get to chat with incredibly inspiring people who have broken the status quo or faced down adversity or taken the road less traveled and positively impacted the lives of other people. We get to hear their stories and gain knowledge and insights into how their professional and personal lives mix every day to create lessons and insights for others to follow. Because the only way to really grow is by building on previous discoveries. And only then can we truly see further by standing on the shoulders of giants. About two years ago, my daughter unilaterally decided that we needed to go a week without eating meat. As all loving parents do, I agreed to this decision, thinking that it would probably last a day or two. To my amazement, the little knucklehead did it. She went the whole week without eating meat. A year later, she decided to increase that challenge to a month, and so for the month of February, she powered through cravings ate salads, and peanut butter and jelly dinners, with me dutifully plowing through as well in my own private hell of meat cravings. But we did it. It was also during this time that I first heard of and went to Pingala. Pingala is a Sanskrit word that is fun and easy to say. It means sun energy and life force but it is also the name of the only vegan restaurant cafe in Burlington. Located on the banks of the Winooski River, Pingala's location, atmosphere, and decor are irrepressibly cheerful. My guest is Trevor Sullivan, the owner and founder of Pingala Cafe, who started Pingala in his mid-twenties and in just three short years has already opened a second cafe as well as a vegan consumer packaged food line, Animalu Vegan Foods. Trevor, welcome to the On the Shoulders of Giants podcast. Thank you so much for having me on this morning, Tino. It's great to be here. Awesome. So um, tell me, what did your parents do for a living and how did that influence your choices in your adult life? (laughs) Well, my parents for a living right now are currently retired and have recently moved up to Burlington to help out with this vegan movement and life mission that I'm on, which my career objective and goal at this point is to just get as many people excited about vegan food as as I have been this whole time. Um, and they are extremely helpful in things here and there with the cafe. They actually fit in perfectly because um, what they had done prior to this move up to Vermont was uh, my mom is always putting a beautiful meal, home-cooked meal, on the table growing up. Um, she was in the food business earlier on in her career until kids came along, then she sort of sort of shifted gears. But an amazing cook has always inspired me, has always um, got me thinking more about food than just it being the nourishment that it is. And my dad has always been the type of guy that is just fixing everything. He can, you know, take a part of uh, stereo and put it back together and, you know, figure out the little nuances of 
what the problem is with anything really. Um, and so I've always been inspired by his approach to, well, it's maybe it's not totally broken and we shouldn't dis discard it. Let's, let's work on it and identify the problem and, and, and see if we can fix it or come up with some solution that will give this, some more life or something like that. Um, so I've been very inspired by them in more more so as who they are as people versus what they had have done in, through their careers. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, what was your childhood like? I grew up in Massachusetts in a, in a suburban cul-de-sac neighborhood in Massachusetts where I got to know my neighbors. Neighbors were like family. And I went to public schools in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, which was a great experience, mostly in terms of building friendships and relationships with people that I still maintain contact with and have been inspired by throughout my life. But um, I did not enjoy school for the most part. I can say that with absolute certainty that I felt very oppressed by having to do things a certain way. Teachers that would get frustrated with me if I couldn't maintain focus or attention on a certain task because I just knew that it wasn't serving me and my skills and my desires. Um, I was very in tune with that early on that, you know, I knew what I was passionate about and in tune with and anything to do with my hands and artwork and, and food early on really as well. Um, and, you know, sitting through a, a curriculum that is not even designed by, by the teacher, but by, you know, state and federal sort of <laughs> agendas were, were just, I, I, it, it was hard. It was really hard for me there. I guess part of the challenge with the modern day schooling, or at least uh, schooling in general, is that uh, we have to be book smart um, and not necessarily, you know, be skillful in other ways. Uh, you know, you, you, you think of how, at least I know in Zimbabwe uh, growing up, there were, you know, academies where people could learn apprenticeship type jobs, you know, where you're not necessarily having to learn science or social studies, but you're learning how to fix a car or do art because that's sort of where your skill set is. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that we're going to see more of our educational systems shifting towards that because, you know, it seems pretty clear that we've got all of these graduates with bachelor's degrees and master's degrees, and there's not enough work in the field in any of these fields for for all these people that now have all this new debt and it, you know most of my friends that did not go right to college after high school and then went to trade school or something like that they're actually much more stable than than the the majority of of folks that I know that that went to undergrad and 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 now have a, a massive mountain of debt I don't mean to sound like I discredit or devalue education that people do get or the people that educate in those environments by any means. I just think that the, 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 
money associated with that education and the um, real life skills that can be applied through those education. They just, not, the, things are out of balance. And I, I, I do hope that we see a shift in the educational system, higher education anyway. Yeah, so your passion for things like art and cooking, and you said your mom was a, was a cook. How did that sort of translate into your adult life and uh, what you do today? Yeah, well, I felt the pressure from my peers and my guidance counselor in high school to choose a college to go to, to, you know, to, to follow that path. Otherwise, I was a failure. So um, it wasn't really until after college that I had the opportunity to say, what do I want to do with my life? And where is that going to be? <laughs> so I, I had no, no real plan. And Felt some, I, I don't know, it was like some internal sort of calling to, to reconnect with food. I was very interested in food before high school, and then high school happened, and you know, you, you, you change as a person, you get more interested in things that you weren't before, and you're exploring everything. And um, once I sort of, you know, got through college and grounded down and said, okay, this is like, real life is coming. What, what am I going to do? I, I, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I hiked the long trail from Massachusetts all the way up to Canada, really deeply connected with myself. Really? And, the entire you know, thing? didn't get all the, yes, the whole thing, start to finish. It goes from Massachusetts up to Canada, the whole length of the Green Mountain wow. range, That's... basically, in Vermont. About 275 miles, and wow. it takes anywhere between, I mean, I think record setting times have been like two weeks, like 14 days or something upwards to, you know, you can take a month or longer. Most people average out around between 25 and 30 days, I think. I I, I bounced on and off the trail and spent some time with friends here and there, but total hiking days, I did it in 18 days and um, started with a friend from high school that was sort of in the same place as me, not really, not really knowing what to do, but he was much more comfortable with not knowing what was going to happen next than I was. I was really, you know, after college, I was very motivated to figure out what was going to happen, but I didn't want to jump into anything that I would re later regret. So taking the time to sort of explore myself in a, in nature, um, it was, was, was crucial. And then once I got to Burlington, Vermont, um, I just, everything energetically felt, felt aligned with me. Um, maybe it was because I had been hiking for 16 days and I was getting delusional or something, but it just, <laughs> It felt right. Everything felt right. And, and the food scene in Burlington, I discovered so quickly that it was different from food that I had grown up with. I mean, I, I grew up with amazing food at home. Um, and I remember, you know, my mom taking me to a local farm, but there was like one local farm. It was like the farm. And, um, and here in Burlington, it's like, there's, there's, farms everywhere. I mean, they're not 
they're not in the urban space downtown, but you know, once you get to know the place, that they're they're everywhere, and mm-hmm. food is is advertised as as where it comes from, and yes, um, this whole local war movement was honestly, I, I can't believe, I'm, I, you know, that that this was my reality then, but it was new to me. I didn't even know about this whole know where your food comes from thing, right? Um, so once I got a taste of that, I, I, I didn't want to know anything else. I just wanted to know more about it. So I got a job with a local restaurant up here that emphasizes the local food movement. And that's that's sort of how I landed here. And, and then I just got deeper and deeper into food. And then I started reconnecting with, the, I think, the, my younger self that was really into art class. And and I started seeing food as art and then started working at places that had more of an emphasis on plated meals and fine dining. And and then the extrovert in me got connected with the customers and really wanting to be a part of their experience. So sort of I, 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 I think I gained what 10 years of college would have been for me uh, in terms of experience in about two years after moving up here, two to three years, I, I, I just wanted it all. I wanted everything. And so I went out and got that. Um, and it brought everything full circle when it came time to open up Pingala. So, um, were you a vegan all this time? How did that transition and, uh, lifestyle change happen? Uh, yeah, certainly not. I did not grow up um, vegetarian or vegan. Um, I, I think I've talked about it with my mother since, and she she was vegetarian when she was growing up, which was like, you know, the renegade thing to do. And I think it was perhaps, you know, she was absolutely conscious and aware of moral reasons, I think, for her at that time to do the vegetarian thing. But I think it was also just like a renegade as a as a child um catholic school boston massachusetts you know sort of it was it fit her her thing so um but i'm not trying to speak for her i just this is what i have come to believe and um i um i talked about it with her and she said that you know she was feeding her family based on uh, the food pyramid, you know, the food pyramid from 19, the 1990s that, that the government issues that now, you know, once we dig deeper into this stuff and learn more about it, you know, who, who actually puts money behind that food pyramid. And it's all these big agro firms that are, you know, uh, running the companies that are destroying the planet and our health. And that's what this stuff is based on. And it's, it's really sad, but true. And I'm so grateful that now the uh, social media day and age that we're in where we can share information and, and connect with people faster than ever before in human history. It's a scary thing, but it's also like, it's what's awakening a lot of people, I think. Or, or it's it's propelling that awakening, you know, whether or not you choose to do anything with the information that you learn and believe to be true is is really up to you. But um, that that for me is kind of how I got into being vegan as well. After having worked in restaurants for about five or six years, 
still inspired by the local food thing, but starting to see like how much meat and cheese and eggs and things like that I was I was cooking on a daily basis, especially at the last job I had before um, deciding that well if I can't you know cook the food that I I I truly believe in, then I'm not going to cook anymore. I'll just change my career. Um, so this was I, more of a ethical decision rather than a uh, eating healthy decision. Vegan, the vegan lifestyle sort of um, encompasses these three tenets, which is, um, uh, you know, you're doing it for the animals and the ethical choices around animal welfare. Um, then you're doing it for personal health issues like what what are the foods that my body is designed to to digest and I should be eating for optimal health and then for me the big one was how my food choices can impact adversely impact or not the um the climate um and the the environment that 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 is without a doubt I think the biggest issue of our time right now is how our how humanity is impacting the um, environment and the climate changes that we're seeing and 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 what what are we going to do about it you know we can't pretend like it's not happening i mean there's certainly some people that do but like i said earlier when you have information that you that you know and you believe to be true it's what you do with it so once so, I learned about talk to me about how, that. I mean, I'd like to, and I know this could be an entire podcast episode on its own. So, uh, but talk to me about what is it that we're doing that makes it that people like yourselves are taking the stance. Well, I I think I would recommend uh, a few films that that are out there that can certainly provide much more statistical information than than I can ramble off right now. Um, you know, I, I'm. I would say there, there's a film called "What the Health," by directed by Kip Anderson, and he also directed and created this movie um, called uh, "Cowspiracy." What the Health and Cowspiracy. Um, each one of them ha- has had a significant impact on on me, and I think a lot of other people. Th- those two really are, are, are geared greatly towards how our food system is affecting um, our future as a human species. And um, one example, in this country alone, the animal agriculture industry, that's, you know, meat and cheese and poultry and dairy and everything like that, eggs, um, anything that is a animal protein or byproduct produces more CO2 carbon uh, emissions than the entire global transportation industry combined. So planes, trains, buses, everything combined in the entire world. This country alone produces more CO2 emissions than, than, than that. Um, That's a lot. You know, it's, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that every choice we make matters so much now and and you vote with your money i mean we have the ability to to 
to vote every single time we eat something, but also just make a choice, you know, whatever you're, whatever you're buying, if you're buying, you know, toothpaste and shampoo, uh, it's, yeah, of course you're, you're basing it on, on, on um, what you can afford, but also like what, what are the values that that company has? And I mean, when you get into being like the, if you're doing the vegan lifestyle full full on you just oh my god you just spend so much time reading the the labels on everything <laughs> and um but it's good you know it's liberating for me it's like i might spend an extra 20 minutes in the grocery store but it's 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 okay on that um i know it's a challenge to to make uh vegetarian food because i had to go through that uh when uh, i was doing this thing with my daughter uh yet alone vegan foods um i assume that like the holidays must be exceptionally challenging because you know they centered around proteins you know ham turkey etc so how do you make like uh, mac and cheeses and apple pies rice crispy treats chicken noodle soup for those uh cold winter sick days you know or just even a basic loaf of bread you know using purely vegan options you know um how do you make such foods while also keeping the texture, savoriness, flavor that has made these foods into household favorites? Well, I think when you look at, you know, these household favorites and these staples, really there's just a few components there. You know, there's, there's animal proteins, ham, turkey, beef, chicken, whatever, you know, no more than in this country anyway, and what, what our, culture has sort of pointed at as as okay to eat and not okay to eat um there, there's really only a handful of things there and then and with that there's you know the animal byproducts which are dairy and cheese and there's only a few things and when you look at that up against the entire plant kingdom and veg all vegetables that are available all legumes and beans and and pastas and rices and 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 fruits and everything there there's no match there's no match there at all so i don't think about you know what i can't eat at holidays or any day of the week i i look at i turn and look at everything else that i can eat and and for me it's inspiring to be creative with all of those foods that 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 are available to me and you know learning new ways of preparing old you know classics and favorites and and things like that are are really what get me excited and um you know when it comes time to gathering with family that you know this this vegan thing may have not have even come up for them other than they know that you know i'm i'm the vegan in the family um that is becoming less and less of a challenge also because I'm, I'm just confident in, in my choices. And I'm also confident in the fact that other people are going to make choices based on what they know. I don't hold anything against family and friends and people that I don't know that are making food choices with, without uh, a full breadth of knowledge if they're just making choices based on whatever marketing uh heavy heavy marketing ploy is out by these big animal agriculture firms even the government is you know in in some of these those two films 
cowspiracy and what the health. I mean, the amount of money that comes from the top down to to influence what we eat, you can't even fathom it, but it's real. And I believe it's real. Maybe people, you know, people, some people don't believe climate change is real, but you got to make choices based on what you believe to be true and what you believe is valid and real. And, um, and, uh, I don't hold anything against people that, that have not had the opportunity or given themselves the opportunity to, to inquire and ask more about the food that they're eating. Um, and I'm always, and that's kind of how Pingala is. It's like, we, we serve food based on the things that we know, um, or that the things that I, as the founder know, and I, I am not on a mission to convert and create any sort of exclusive cult-like vegan movement at all. It's all <laughs> about just sharing the beautiful things that I've, I've come to know and love. And, um, and ju it's just about sharing it. That's why I've, I think to sum up why I'm so into food in, in one, in one word, it's just about the, it's the universal language and it's about sharing and, and, and I'm excited for that. Amen to that. <laughs> um, so yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, I'm going to and test your culinary. I always say this word wrong. Cul culinary skills. Um, sure. So yeah. Let's let's take corn chowder for instance. It probably has mm -hmm. chicken stock or broth. I'm not sure. I never know the difference between the two, and I use them all the time and never know which is which and when to use what. But anyway, uh, so it has chicken something in there. Uh, also has milk, has cheese, and if the restaurant that you're having the chowder in knows what it's doing, they'll probably sprinkle some bacon on top of it. How would you make corn chowder as a vegan? I, I'm really glad you're asking that because I just made about 10 gallons of it oh, yesterday no <laughs> for the chowder that we're in. That's uh, cool. <laughs> that, that, yeah, yeah. So I can I can definitely walk you through corn chowder, no problem, um, vegan style. So, and I have made it a bunch of times before, and it, it has been one of those things that we've served at the cafe in, in colder months and people... Uh, vegan or or not are just like this is great this is exactly what I wanted today and you know that's that's a good thing to hear but um, so I think with any food um, any any comfort food you're you're going for flavor and smell and texture and I think it it's you can totally achieve the same flavors and textures and smells it's similar enough. They'll be their own thing, but to, to their, to their meat counterpart or the, the, the traditional recipe, the clam chowder, but with a corn chowder. Um, so what I did was I got, um, fresh farm, fresh corn, um, shaved off all the corn on it, uh, on the cob took the cobs um i have a smoker so i smoked the corn cobs with onions and garlic and celery root um and then i took the corn cobs out of the smoker 
I had a bunch of carrot and onion and celery and potato and everything sauteing in a big pot. You take the corn cobs and put them in that pot and then you add a bunch of water to the pot and you let those simmer for 45 minutes or however long, depending on how much volume you've got in there. And um, that smokiness that comes from the corn cobs and the sweetness that comes from the corn adds so much flavor to the broth and the stock that you're building the soup with. And then I took the the corn, the, the onion and the garlic and the celery root that I smoked and put them in a blender with a bunch of soaked cashews and some salt and some seafood seasoning, some like Old Bay seafood seasoning, same stuff you'd use in clam chowder. Mm-hmm. Um, and nutritional yeast. Nutritional yeast is one ingredient that if you're not cooking vegan, it's very unlikely that you'll see it anywhere but it's uh it's got this it's a yeast that has this really cheesy sort of salty um, flavor to it so when you add it to a cashew sauce it it really um just just the right amount it can add that like creamy cheesy mac and cheese sort of alfredo sauce flavor so when you when you puree and blend down with a high-speed blender the the cashews, you're left with a very um, silky, smooth cream sauce that's got salty, savory, fatty flavor profiles going on. Um, It's just really, it's comparable to like a heavy cream sauce. So pureed all of that smoky goodness with the cashews and um, added that into the chowder after with a ton of the fresh corn that was shaved off. And one of the things that I learned when I was working with a chef who was French trained was that the amount of fresh herbs you add or don't add to a dish is what's going to make it or break it. And um, just tons and tons of fresh herbs in in my cooking is, is where you know, that, that brings life to a dish. It just adds so much character. Um, and that going along with the deep, rich flavors that you build, um, with, with a, with a flavorful stock, stock and broth, they're pretty much the same thing. So, yeah. Uh, so you're left with this beautiful smoked cashew cream corn chowder with potatoes. And I added a bunch of, um, oyster mushrooms and beach mushrooms into it so wow. those actually oyster mushrooms sort of have the flavor or have the name oyster mushroom because they have a, a very similar flavor to an an oyster and they, they lend themselves to seafood flavor profiles really well so um yeah and and, and it came out great um <laughs> and um i think vegan cooking is a lot about a lot about preparation any cooking is really a lot about preparation a good meal is all about taking time and preparing for it vegan cooking is just doing things like a little differently like if you want to cook with heavy cream you soak cashews and then you blend the cashews up in a in a vitamix blender or whatever and season it however you want and and then you've got heavy cream so it's like it's it's as easy as opening a bottle of cream it just takes a little bit more 
time and there's there's another step involved but right but it's also not as easy as heavy cream because when you pick up that bottle from the store and you have heavy cream in your hand you know you got to look at where everything has has come from to get to that point and that's where the hard part is in things yeah so let's talk about uh pingala itself so i had been saying it wrong i've been enunciating the pingala it sounds like it's pingala which uh had to yeah, correct that phonetically it, phonetically it's pingala um you know but i i've been told the sanskrit pronunciation is pingala I, it, i'm we're good with that either way as long as the food is good and the yeah. service is good <laughs> that's good to happier than you yeah cool so tell me how did you get the cafe started um well i'd been working in other restaurants for you know five or six years got to a point where i did a ton of researching felt strongly that the vegan lifestyle was what i wanted to live and if i was going to co- continue cooking food i needed to only serve food that i truly believed in otherwise i'd be you know i wasn't okay with just saying well it's just a job i you know everybody's got to do you know whatever to make a living and you know i that to me is just um the unfortunate truth sometimes for some people but it wasn't you know i would rather have failed miserably knowing that i tried um mm. and i still feel that way um you know knowing that i tried in 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 doing something that i'm passionate about and that brings me zest for life and so um, had you saved a bunch of money to to buy a restaurant no i um after i made that decision that i was either going to switch careers or open my own place i um i was going to yoga a lot with julia and uh there was this space right next to the yoga studio we were going to the the yoga studio laughing river in chase mill and there was this this space in the front of the building that was just empty and was sort of a weird like holding zone for construction materials there Redstone who owns the building has been doing tons of renovations on the building throughout the years since they bought it and it was just this sort of holding zone and and to me right away is just this beautiful space for a little cafe and come to find out through the owner of Laughing River that you know there was a cafe slated to be there she indicated that the folks who were going to open got cold feet or something and I should reach out to Redstone to to sort of pitch my idea so not having a business plan or anything uh just an idea i i got in touch with redstone set up a meeting uh pretended like i had every uh <laughs> everything i needed to make this happen i i knew what i was doing and uh, i was the guy for the job and and told them give me 2 weeks and i'll be back with a business plan and if you're on board let's sign a lease and go from there and uh that's what happened they really liked the idea um gave me about 2 or 3 weeks to put together a business plan with that during which time i put together financing for wow cafe um i got a a personal loan for it so it wasn't a business loan which i had a family member uh that i'm very grateful for co-signing on it so i could get it but it was a uh, a small personal loan that basically we agreed that if you know this didn't work out we you know nobody was going to be in debt for the rest of their life mm. um but it was a very small business loan 
I wanted to work with what I had and, and make something out of nothing. And, uh, you know, bought a lot of used equipment, which at this point has probably all been replaced. And, um, and just, just had confidence in, in what I was doing. And I think that if anybody brings that to the table with what they're doing, they're going to find success in one way or another. Um, I mean, like I said, I was, I was totally a hundred percent okay with failing if, if things didn't work out. I didn't keep that front and center in my mind because I didn't want to manifest failing, of course, but before moving forward, I was okay with that. And, mm. and then, and then success sort of became the only option. Um, so uh, I did what it, what it took to, to build what we have today. And I'm going to move forward in everything I do with that same approach. So how long did it take you before you were ready to take in your first customers? And what was that day like when you opened the restaurant for the first time? It took about four months to build everything out from ground zero. Um, construction, plumbing, electric- electricity, every- everything. Um, and during which time I was working with the, the contractors to to make that all happen um, and really not, you know, not knowing anything about that stuff. Um, so they were great in working with me and I secured all the equipment. And once all the construction was done and the equipment was in there, it was, it was like, I remember it. I will always remember it. It was just exciting. It was like, okay, now all we have to do is make food that tastes good and sell it, <laughs> you know, it's like it got so back to the basics, back to the it was like I don't know where these people are going to come from. I don't know who these people are. You know, we 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 were fortunate to open up in a really amazing building that had a yoga studio in it and then all sorts of other businesses in there. It's it's sort of an incubator for a lot of businesses, but there's some uh in foundational larger companies in that building that um that were our target audiences at first but um i I knew from the beginning that our 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 largest demographic was going to come from outside the building but i had no idea how to get those people there other than by making good food and and selling it and word of mouth word of mouth is really what we built pretty much everything on um yeah but it was like this aha moment when all the construction was done and we started ordering food and the food was coming. It was just like, okay, we have to make food now and make it taste good and serve it. And whoever comes here, we're just going to make sure they leave here happier than they came. So they come back and they tell other people about it. Nice. So the restaurant has been a success. Uh, clearly. I mean, um, just, going there i see people all the time you know i've never gone in and there's uh, nobody there so congratulations to you for that but then you know one of the things i'm wondering is uh, what's next uh, i know i'm sort of letting the cat out of the bag here but everyone knows that you've opened a second cafe and uh, are also looking at starting a or at least have started a uh, consumer packaged goods company called uh, animal Lou food so talk to me about that 
Yeah, so uh, I'm really excited about the second location having opened up. It's uh, definitely like a long-term um, community investment. We're, we're in a, a space that is uh, lacking, severely lacking, I think, a lot of really great food options. It's a lot of corporate big food stuff out there, and yeah. there's a lot of really great people that live in that area that are sort of wanting better food options and I think it's just going to take time to get to know all those people and um, the building that we're in out there is, is a great building again um, we're, we're looking to build relationships around the people that are in and out of that building and in that area um, and Animaloo Vegan Foods has sort of spurred up out of the notion that lots of customers since pretty much, you know, right from the start have said, you know, you guys should package this. Um, one ingredient in particular on our menu that we use on some of the sandwiches is the eggplant bacon, um, which is a marinated and dehydrated eggplant that has qualities similar to bacon. It's crunchy, salty, savory, smoky, um, very much bacon-like but it's made out of eggplant. There's no animal product in it. So uh, packaging eggplant bacon is, is our first, our flagship um, <clears throat> product, but you know, packaging and bottling all of our sauces, our tahini sauce, peanut sauce, Korean barbecue sauce, our hot sauces, things like that. Um, we make really great pickles. Um, we've been thinking about doing things like that, but that's a whole new business. That's not that's that's making food and selling it in a very different way than than the way you do it in a restaurant environment, um, because there's a whole another layer of or, or there's a, there's a break between consumer and retailer. There's that whole supply chain involved and that's, that's all new to me. So I'm going to take that business one step at a time, um, nourish it and feed it when it's looking to, when it's ready to grow, but not forcing uh, or not really pushing growth much more than what, what seems comfortable and natural at the time. Um, probably going to have a lot of people involved in that 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 I don't know yet that are going to bring a lot to the table that I don't have experience with um, because again it's a whole new business um, another thing that we have going on that is really exciting is the our food cart the broccoli bar um, which was created just to have a logo a Pingala cafe logo on some sort of mobile operation at these events that are around town um, so we could advertise for the cafe. But the broccoli bar has sort of become its own brand and its own has its own identity and has its own following now. My daughter is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that has become uh, a concept that has every component you need to serve high volume and um, the thing that excites me the most about the broccoli bar is, you know, I've, so many times I've seen people waiting in line with like 
uh, a lobster roll or a cheeseburger or a pulled pork sandwich that they got from one of our neighbors at these events and they're waiting in line for the broccoli bar because they see that the you know the line for the broccoli bar is the longest line there and um they you know they keep seeing people walking around with it and it looks good and it's different and it's it's, they've never seen anything like it before i mean the broccoli bar what is that even (laughs) we prepare broccoli in several different ways and people can mix and match um, the food however they want they walk up to the front counter and point at what they want and there's tons of yummy sauces and toppings and it's just fast it's easy it's casual it's fun and it is it's inherently vegan but with those folks in line that are you know holding the the cheeseburger or whatever to me that is the that is such a huge step towards mission accomplished um more so than just you know opening the doors to a vegan cafe every day because there's a barrier that exists there where you know if 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 we are identified and labeled as vegan like the cafe or like through a company called Animalu Vegan Foods sure there's a, a huge market there we can we can do a lot of business and we can you know make a lot of people happy but the the folks that are like ah vegan's not for me i had it once before i don't really know you, you know if if we're serving them at the same time they're eating a cheeseburger and they're comparing the food side by side and and realizing and having this moment of like wow this bro- like what broccoli bar like this is so good i want to have more of this i want to eat this again it's as good as this cheeseburger that is that is where it's like exciting 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 for me and because yeah. we've branded a vegetable and glorified this one vegetable versus a particular lifestyle or you know um that that may ha- um sort of encompass some um stigmas uh that that's just one huge step closer to um my my personal career goals and objectives yeah that is totally me i'm that guy with the pulled pork you know and marveling at uh, the broccoli bar it's it's wonderful and i advise anybody who hasn't tried it to go uh seek it out so um in closing uh, i'm going to ask you a question that i ask all of my guests if you could travel back in time and have a conversation with a younger version of yourself, what words of wisdom would you say to yourself and why? Oh. Um, I don't know if I could impart any wisdom that would change the path that I've taken in any way because I do feel like I followed my heart and I guess that sounds so cliche and cheesy, but I, I, I guess I would say, um, do what you're going to do and trust that it's going to work. Believe in yourself and follow your heart because that is what will give you the life experience that you're looking for. That's perfect. I mean, because really sometimes it is about just telling yourself that what you're doing and where you're headed is the right way. 
there are people that probably may not have heard about uh, you and your restaurant. So what are the social media details and maybe website people can find out about you and your cafe? Yeah, so you can just definitely Google Pingala Cafe. That's P as in Paul, I-N-G-A-L-A Cafe. Um, you're going to get our beautiful website that some friends have just uh, rebuilt and redesigned. It came out so good. Facebook, if you just search Pingala Cafe on Facebook, we do all of our specials and daily promotions posted on there. Broccoli Bar has its its own social um, platforms. Um, again, Facebook and Instagram, Broccoli Bar. And um, Animal Lou Vegan Foods. We haven't really... We did, we've done a Kickstarter campaign to help purchase the um, commercial dehydrator to make large quantities of eggplant bacon, but we haven't officially like launched this this business full full blown yet. So, and you can always email us hello at Pingala Cafe. You'll probably get a response from me too. So, fantastic. Well, Trevor, thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with us your insightful story and uh, your views, um, particularly on uh, being vegan. Um, what you're doing for the community through Pingala and Animaloo Vegan Foods is really, really important and necessary. And so, uh, and I also appreciate that you were being honest about the challenges that uh, we face uh, with where our foods are coming from, how we're treating farm animals, etc. It's uh, an important discussion that I think every household needs to have and decisions that people need to make. And even though I have concluded that veganism isn't for me, I feel that by eating at your cafe and speaking to you and learning from other people that have made those choices, I have made more positive steps towards good habits that will stick and have become more conscious about what I eat how I eat it, where the food is sourced, and the impact of my food choices on the environment and my health. So thank you very much for your advice and thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much, Tino. I'm very happy to hear all that and, and grateful to have had this time with you this morning and look forward to staying in touch. And with that, we'll wrap up the show. Next time on the podcast on the shoulders of giants, we learn about how a trip to Tanzania inspired Rachel Farrelly, an assistant professor at St. Michael's College, to start a nonprofit organization whose mission is to support educational opportunities for underserved girls and women in remote and underdeveloped regions of the world. I went back the following year just to visit, and at that point we went to a neighboring village and I asked the village leaders if there was anything that I could do to help them add a classroom or two to their primary school. And they were really assertive. They knew what they needed and what they didn't need. And they said, nope, we don't need that. But what we do need is a secondary school because our kids are walking way too far to go to secondary. So ironically, I had just read three cups of tea on the way over. And um, at that time, it was still a big source of inspiration. And so I said, yes, I said, yeah, I can help build a school. And came home and brainstormed and fundraised and founded Project Asia and then returned the following year with $10,000, which isn't a lot, but it was enough to break ground and put down foundation and start the process.